Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. JJ for that introduction and again I thank you all my listeners from around the world we are now in over 60 different countries giving the message of never ever give up hope no matter what situation that we are in in our life as long as we are still standing we still can have hope and there are many circumstances we come across in our lives and come across with uh, hearing other people's stories that appear hopeless but there is always hope, no matter what the situation. And every day that we talk to a guest, it's always a very different story than the one from before. And also my guests have all been very successful. A lot of them have, as authors, memoir authors, of course, and they're sharing their story on this program. But also in many different ways, whether it be in business or in family relationships or whatever they have set out to do, they have become successful at it because of a very simple factor, and that is they didn't give up. They did what they needed to do to make things change. With me today is Martha Ashwell. She has worked as a child care officer and an administrator and support tutor in university education. She is also a qualified counselor. As a memoir author of Celia's Secret, A Journey Towards Reconciliation, she was able to analyze and evaluate her life experiences to work through a process of reconciliation. Now this is the subject that we are going to address today and it's regarding broken relationships within the family unit. And I think every single one of us can relate to a point with what Martha is going to share. Welcome, Martha. Thank you, Carol. Now, Martha, when did you first discover that you believed you were in a dysfunctional family? Well, I think it was quite early on, in fact. I think as a child, I was really quite intuitive and picked up on things. Um, I realized um, that my parents were, were very unhappy. It was a disastrous marriage. And I felt, um, I felt the tensions and the stress of that relationship, even as a small child. And then if I went, I went to a party once as a little four-year-old with my older sister, and I saw, um, I saw how a father could be with his children. Um, this little girl's father was so jolly and friendly and 
playing games with the children and, and you know engaging with them so so in such a wonderful way and I remember thinking at that very young age how different he was to, to my own father and thinking you know things can be so different that that's odd <laughs> you know but then you just accept what you have as a child uh-huh. but you don't always um, you don't always dwell on those thoughts but that was one experience that I did have um, it, my father wasn't um, wasn't involved in family matters. He didn't share the meals with us. He didn't um, seem to be interested in what we were, we were doing particularly. Or um, my mother didn't involve him. She didn't. She, he didn't share responsibility. And as I grew older, these things sort of started to make an impression on me more and more. And I started to realise that the you know that the marriage certainly was extremely dysfunctional, and that we as a family were were not not as we should be. Although I had a tremendous relationship with my mother, I loved her so much as a little girl, and I put all my love and all my trust and all my um, my sort of feelings of security. Uh, I got all those from my mother. And uh, that continued right up until, you know, adulthood, really. Until when? I'm sorry, I missed that last part. Until adulthood, until I became an adult. Um, I was very, very close to my mother through my teenage years. And uh, I shared with her my experiences at work, you know, my friendships with with girlfriends and boyfriends. We, we, we We were pals, you know, we were good, we were good friends. And um, I tried to support her emotionally through through those very difficult times as well. So what you are saying is that what I'm assuming you are saying is is that even though we may have a very strong relationship at some point in our lives with another family member, and we'll, we're going to discuss this a little bit later, but there can become a time when those relationships can be severely and abruptly broken. Yes, yes. And when that happens, we we have to either decide if we want them resolved or we go our separate ways. Is that usually the case that you have come across? Yes, it is. Um, but I also believe very, very much that there, there is a way um, of, of resolving broken relationships. I think there's a process that one can go through that will heal, um, first of all, um, us, you know, the individual who's trying to seek that healing, and then eventually the two the two people can come together in, in a healing uh, relationship. I do believe that. Yes, yes, and we're going to be talking about that um, yes. a little bit later. We definitely want to hear your insight on that. Now, when did you discover the secret that affected your mental and physical health? You said it also weakened your faith your Christian faith, and also deprived you of your chosen career. So that's quite a statement that you made. In other words, it's a threefold. It affected your health, it weakened your faith, and deprived you of your career. So when did you discover that secret and how did it affect you? Well, at the age of 22, I went away to college to study um, social uh, social uh, social studies di- uh, uh, diploma, which would enable me to become a social worker, because I felt very ju- very drawn 
to working in the caring professions and I wanted to be a child care officer. Uh, so I went away and I did a, a, a diploma. And um, while I was away, as many, many people will, I'm sure, experience, um, that removal from the very familiar um, uh, situation of home um, gives, gives, gives a, an individual a, a much sharper insight of their family life, uh, life outside the home that they've known for so many years. And they start to, to get a slightly different perspective on it. So I, I was uh, thinking about uh, you know, what was going on at home. Um, I was reluctant in some ways to, to leave home because I'd been such a support to my mother and I knew she relied on me a great deal. So when I went to college, I kept in very close contact with her. And um, she, uh, because you know, I just felt it was my duty to continue to support her. Um, but I started to get what you could call suspicions, really. Um, I started thinking about certain aspects of her relationship within the marriage and um, the wider scene, if you, if you like, uh, her friends and her uh, other members of the family. And I started to suspect that certain, a certain thing was possibly... Um, it possibly happened, which, um, had it been the case, um, then we as children should have been told about it. I'm one of four children, and the second in the family. Um, now, as these suspicions grew, um, I really didn't have anybody to check them out with, uh, because my mother was an only child, and uh, the other two people in the equation, most important people in the equation, um, were not not approachable. Um, so I sort of kept all this to myself. Now, I believe now, in, in looking back, that I was actually affected quite uh, seriously psychologically, even by those suspicions, if, if that's not too hard to believe, even those suspicions were putting me under stress. And I finished my diploma. I started working as a social worker. The social work was extremely demanding, both physically and uh, emotionally. And uh, sadly, I, I suffered very, very severe depression, which led to a breakdown. And I could no longer continue with my social work. Yeah, and you think that that was totally related to what you were going through emotionally over the secret or your suspicions? I think it was a large part of it, Carol. And I wouldn't say totally related because there were other factors. It, it, people who were close to me had died. Um, okay. I'd, I'd, had, I'd had a, a sort of a, a very upsetting love affair as well. Mm -hmm. That'll do it. Yeah, that, that'll do it, won't it? Um, that was another factor. But, um, yes, uh, so it, it, it was a, an accumulation of things. It wasn't just... My you were parents. overtaxed. You had too much... I was, mm -hmm. I was, exactly. I was overtaxed. I was overburdened with all of it. And it had this um, effect on me, which made, you know, resulted in a nervous breakdown. So I had to, had to give up social work. Um, and... Uh, uh, after having about, I had about nine nine months off work, um, and I saw a psychiatrist. I was taking a, a, a long course of drugs, 
and uh, I almost I almost got to the point where I had to have um, electro convulsive therapy to, to get me out of this depression. But thankfully, I began to emerge from it. I think through sheer um, sort of strength. If there were, I don't know where I got the strength from, but I, I started to. It was an extremely slow process. Um, in fact, it was years. It took it took me it took probably five or six years out of my life in my mid twenties until the end of my twenties, uh, being depressed because I was I was not myself. You know, I just was not myself, and I think a lot of it was the stress of thinking about this situation, not being able to resolve it, not being able to talk to my mother about it, and yet feeling that I knew what the situation was, but I couldn't be be honest with her and confront her with it. And uh, I finally came to confront her. I met my future husband. I was 28, 29 when I met him, so it was quite late on. Uh, In those days, it was late on. Um, And eventually, I shared with him uh, what my thoughts were. And I showed him a photograph. And he, he could tell from the photograph what I was saying uh, and the impact that it had had on me. And he confirmed that um, the family situation that I was imagining was, was not imagining at all. It was, it was absolutely the truth. And that, um, I, of course, I, dis- I realised then that I, I, had to, I had to tell my mother that I, that I knew the truth. But before that, I, she had a, a lot of friends, and one of the friends was an auntie. I called auntie. She wasn't a real auntie. And I went to see her, and I knew that she had been um, sort of on the scene for many years before my mother had a family, or, or I think she was, she, she'd been, she was married, but she hadn't had the children. So I asked her uh, to, to uh, confirm that what I was thinking was, was true, and she confirmed it. So I knew then, without any trace of doubt, that what my, what my suspicions were were absolutely you know, right and true. So before I got married, I decided I'd tell my mother so that she would know that I knew. You know, I didn't want to have um, any, any deceits, any deceptions about it. I wanted to know that I knew the truth. Um, so at that point, um, I decided, well, how can I, how can I tell her? And I thought the best way would be to write a very thoughtful letter to her to prepare her for a face-to-face um, conversation about it. So I wrote her this letter um, saying how much I loved her and how much, um, I, you know, how much I uh, sort of um, appreciated that she'd had difficult things to deal with and I didn't want to judge her. And um, you know, uh, and I hope she'd understand that I needed to talk to her about it. And I left it for her, and then and I arranged to see her later that day. So when I came to her um, and started to talk about it, um, very sadly, her first reaction was one of extreme anger. She was absolutely furious with me finding out the truth. It was her business. It was her secret. When your mother was angry with you, did that surprise you or did you expect that? I didn't expect it. And it shocked me. 
I felt quite shocked and, and quite hurt because I couldn't understand how she could take take that sort of view of the matter with with me. We'd been so close, so loving all my life up to that point, um, and I couldn't understand why she should be angry with me for finding out the truth. But I think it was connected with her her efforts and her her the very difficult um, the very difficult situation she found herself in and how she had built up a huge defense around herself she was a very respectable woman she was um, uh, she was seen as a, as a, as a Catholic mother uh, with, a, with a family of four children um, people knew her you know in, in that light um, she didn't want anything. To, to disturb that image that other people had. Whether she thought I would go around and tell everybody, I don't know, but of course I wouldn't have dreamt of doing that. It was um, an extremely personal issue that we were dealing with, and there was no way that I would have um, you know, exposed her in any way. Did that not happen, though, when you wrote your, your book? Well, yes, very, very many years later, of course. Okay, okay. When, when all, the, all the, the, the characters in the book, of course, have all passed away. I see. And, right. and then it became part of the process to, to, to tell the truth to, to my brothers because it hadn't happened at that point. I felt I had unfinished business. Okay. Um, and what um, would you have done differently if you could do it again? Like. Obviously, yes. you have counseled people in this, and are you telling them are you that they should be doing the same thing that you did, or do you would you do it differently, and do you give different advice? I would I would do it differently, Carol. Yes, because of my own experience, but I would never um, I would never sort of give advice about what somebody should do, but I might say, um, have you thought of sharing it with another family member? Uh, would you be able to talk to your sister about it? Would you be able to, you know, talk to your partner about it? Or whatever is appropriate. Because I think with hindsight, had I spoken to my sister at that time, and both of us had gone to her, I think uh. it might, it, the dy- dynamics would have been different, you see. Um, and that's possibly, uh, it possibly would have been better, it possibly wouldn't. I don't know, because, of course, that didn't happen. Any time with confrontation, especially within a family, it is wise to start with the positive, which is what you did with your mother yes. by telling her how much you loved her, etc. And yes. I'm assuming that that's what you also recommend, you know, rather than lashing out and saying, you know, you so-and-so, this is what I found out, <laughs> and coming from the yes. attack. So yes. Yes. what is the process yes. that you that you recommend besides coming from a positive place when you do have to approach a family member about a broken relationship. Well, I think um, I think the the individual who is approaching the person who, with whom they want to communicate should try and see the situation from the other person's point of view as much as is possible, and as you say, not go in in a confrontational mode, but go in in a conciliatory mode, so that you are trying to 
understand and gain gain acceptance for your point of view, but gain understanding and acceptance for the other person's point of view as well. And there has to be great respect and, and love, if possible, uh, for that person and, and a feeling that you want the well-being of, of both yourself and that other person to be improved by this... Um, relationship or you know whatever it might be hopefully not a confrontation but um, a meeting of, of, of two two minds that will hopefully succeed in bringing some healing or some reconciliation uh, some some kind of acceptance to a situation um, do you do you ever advise anyone to not confront their family member and possibly that some secret should be withheld and should you know go to the grave <laughs> do you ever well, get into situations like that I, I i don't think i would use the word advice carol but i would certainly raise it um, and and bring it into the into the discussion or the, you know the, the bring it into the um, considerations that mm-hmm. have to be thought about um does this person feel that that, that this is a secret that has to be brought out. Are there other people who she feels should or or must know the secret, uh, or whatever situation it might be? It may not be a secret, but it may be a very important uh, piece of knowledge or something of that nature. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there are. I think these things are very very complex. I don't think there are. There, yes. are single, there aren't single rules for uh-huh. every for every single person's story. Um, I think one of the main things is to be considerate of the other person and what it, what they hold as information or as a secret and try and understand why it means so much to them. If they want to retain it in that way, um, as my mother did, she said, don't tell your brothers, don't tell your uh-huh. sister. She made me promise, really, not to tell them. Uh-huh. And at that point, I agreed because I felt I'd gone far enough at that point for me to at least had had enabled the situation to be known between her and me, and she and she knew that I knew, and therefore there was no deception between us. But uh. um, but it changed. She, she was angry, and she, I think she was very annoyed that I found out. Well, you know, why why should you why 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 have you found out? Why what are you doing? This is my business. Nothing to do with you. You know that kind of uh, attitude which, of course, was very hurtful because it did have a lot to do with me. It had a lot to do with my sister, my brothers. And, um, it, you know, it, I, I felt that things would have been so much better had she been able to confide in all four of us at that point. We were all adults by that point. We were all in our 20s. Mm. Uh, and, and my sister, I think, was turned 30. I mean, goodness, you know. We're not old enough at that stage in our lives to tell the truth. I don't know when we would be. Now, the process, or the time, rather, that it took you to confront your mother from your first suspicions, yes. and then, as you mentioned, you you know you discussed it with your with your husband to be, or your maybe your husband at that point, yes. to before you made that decision. Yes. Doing it differently, do you think it would be wiser rather than dwelling on it for that length of a time? to have maybe confronted her earlier? I mean, I realize you you don't have a clue of what could have transpired mm-hmm. if you'd done that, but have you thought about that, and do you think that's a good idea? That's a really difficult question, because 
I felt I felt very vulnerable, knowing what I knew. I felt that um, it may not be true. Uh, it was almost as if a certain period of time had to elapse before mm. the, the rest of the jigsaw could be put together, which enabled me to see a fuller picture, which enabled me to, to, to raise it with her. You know, it was one of those situations where I, I didn't have all the facts. When I first had my suspicions, um, I didn't have all the facts. So it was only when I went to see this friend of my mother's um, that I, it became clearer uh, what the situation was. She told me that, um, yes, it was true, but they that uh, but it was felt by just not just by my mother, but by another person that uh, it, that, that it was better that we children did not know about it. That we were, you know, it's one of these situations where you know the less people, if, if they don't know, it won't hurt them. That kind of. <laughs> I know it's a terrible. It's a, it's a cliche, but. I'm afraid that was the the thinking at the time, or it was an maybe it was an excuse. Mm. What they don't what they don't know, they won't hurt them. I mean, you know, come on, <laughs> we we have to, you know, we as human beings, we have to we have to l- learn what the truth is and confront the truth. Um, otherwise, we're we're just living in cotton wool, aren't we? Uh, we're not leading our lives in in a in a, in a very straightforward way. So um, I don't really buy that. I don't think that's a fair, a fair enough reason to give, not to tell your children a certain, a certain fact which is of extreme importance to them. Now, you decided to write a book, yes, which was your memoir, which dealed dealt with this subject. Yes. And your motivation was probably manifold, including you wanted to share that with your brothers, correct? That's correct, yes. Was that a difficult thing for you to do? Like, what did you go through, in, or, or were you excited about revealing this? Well, my sister and I had tried for many years to reveal the truth to my brothers, and it sounds strange, but for some reason or another, we seem to be knocked off the knocked off the track, as it were, uh, which I explain in my book. Um, one of the things was I didn't know whether my brothers knew. They might have worked it out the way I worked it out. They may have had suspicions and not told anybody. Um, and they, for all I know, I could have said to them, you know, I, I know such and such. And they might have said, oh, gosh, I've known that since I was 17. <laughs> you, d- you just don't know, can right. you? See? You don't know what's going on in somebody else's mind unless you ask them. And they never spoke of it. They didn't seem to have any suspicions from the way they spoke about the family. Um, and I, I was I was pretty sure that they didn't know, but I wasn't. I was pretty, I was pretty sure they didn't know, but I wasn't absolutely certain that they didn't know. Um, so that was one, that was one difficulty. Uh, the other thing was, would, would it upset them? Would it, um, would it make them feel, think less of my mother? Was I betraying my mother? Um, those were those were real considerations because I, I, I didn't want to. In writing the book, I've had to explain how my mother was in this situation and um, she was of her time Carol 
she, you know, in those days, they they kept their, they kept secrets or mm-hmm. family family um, situations very very close to them. Um, they were very proud. They didn't want other people to know. Very fearful of neighbors finding out or friends finding out because they they might think differently of them. Um, whereas today we're so open. In, in, a, in a many ways, we are. We're still, you know, we're still obviously certain things that we could be uh, we can improve in that. But um, we, we're very much more open with one another, and and there isn't the um, uh, the shame attached to things that there was in in that generation. It's going back a long, long way. It's going back to the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Um, it's it's uh, it's another world, you know. Um, and, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to just continue a little bit with telling my brothers. Um, one of my brothers moved uh, quite a long distance away from where we are living. Well, three of us are in the north, and one of them, one of my brothers, is in the south of England. And we don't see a great deal of him, so it proved quite difficult to to to, to get the situation right to tell him. But in but this is one of the reasons I wrote the book because I felt there was unfinished business. I also felt sad that my mother hadn't come round to thinking um, that I did have a right to know, even if she only thought that for me, you know, not necessarily for the others, even if she recognised that, you know. She should. She should perhaps. I would have liked her to have said before she died. You know, I do understand. Uh, mm. how, you know what you felt about that, and you know. Uh, but I'd still rather you didn't say anything. You know that 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 would be fine. But she never actually. Uh, she didn't. She didn't forgive me for for, <laughs> for finding out. Um, and so that there was a feeling that I wanted to be reconciled with her beyond the grave. She, she mm. died. She died. All, all the all the personalities in the book, the characters in the book, and the main characters of that time, of course, have died. Um, so there's there's no way of going back and talking to them about right. it. But I do believe that um, I'm linked in a spiritual way to my mother and to other people as well. And I believe that through through the work that I've done in the book and the process I've worked through. I do believe that I've, I've gained a, a, a feeling of reconciliation with my mother um, because I understand so more, so much more. And um, if I can just explain the process, that um, what that involves. In writing the book, I reflected on all the situations that I've mentioned, all the circumstances. Um, and in doing so, I was analysing, you know, what was going on um, bringing in factors which um, impacted on the on the situation, like perspective at the time and so forth, um, and then I gained, I started to gain a real understanding um, of, of of everyone involved, not just of my mother, but of, of other people involved as well. And I came to a point where I could truly, truly forgive what had mm. happened, even you know, even forgive my mother for being so angry with me. I can understand it from her point of view. I can see what she was seeing and I can feel what she was feeling. Um, but only after um, working through that process. Um, so that was that was very cathartic for me um, and has been, a, you know, has helped me greatly. Do you believe that your relationship with your brothers and sisters actually became better 
like it's this possibly solidified it or do you and in other situations of people where you have run across this in counseling yes what is usually the outcome is it usually a positive outcome not always sadly no um <clears throat> my brother and sister who are up here in the north we've remained much closer through our adult life uh, because we live closely together we live close together and they have both been tremendously understanding and accepting uh, of the book and of the information well my sister knew but my my youngest brother didn't know and he was upset when he heard but he understood and he could he could put the, he could put everything together and understand it now my other brother who's between in age between me and my youngest brother he was he's a little bit of an odd one out in the family if you, if if i can say that i don't mean that in a nasty way at all but he was um he, he was the one who who moved away from home he um he 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 didn't come back very frequently he um he was very independent in his career and uh chose not to really engage too closely with the family and he was also which is this is very important he had a relationship with one of the protagonists if you like to call them that um which was much closer than the rest of us so therefore i can honestly say i didn't have a relationship with this person but uh and i don't think that my sister and my youngest brother had too much of a relationship with him either but my my other brother did and he and 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 I'm glad that he did because it gave him um something positive in his life and it gave this 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 person something positive in his life too which he desperately needed so I don't begrudge that at all but because he was closer and he had an emotional attachment to this person of course he was affected in a different way so that was difficult but i can honestly say that we're all fine now and we, we you know we we're, mm-hmm. we're perfectly okay um well we, shock does that though doesn't it you know when yes. something like this brings shock and and we yes. respond differently to shock everybody does and hopefully in time you know <laughs> yes yes we can heal yes exactly exactly now yes. how do you feel your book will help others in a similar situation or possibly not even in this situation but how what what are you stressing in your book as far as uh the call to action it might have for your readers or how it can help others well as i've explained the process that i that i i can see i went through in writing the book um i think if if someone has a broken relationship that they they very they feel that very very motivated motivated to heal it's very important to them that they heal that relationship because the person means a great deal to them and they probably mean a great deal to that person it's worth repairing um i i don't think it's ever too late if 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 there's love there mm. if there's been lo- if there's been love in the past um i don't think love dies in that way i think mm. i think i think it can be killed off if, mm. if, if you're determined to kill it off uh, i think it can be diminished and killed off but i think if you genuinely um think 
uh, think lovingly about a person and in your heart you want to be reconciled with them, I do believe that there's always hope and that you can, you can work through a process of, um, of learning, you know, learning what, what happened in, a, in greater depth. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a fallout about another, another relative or something like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I think um, there needs to be communication. Uh, one person needs to talk to the other to try and understand if they're willing to talk about it. Of course, you sometimes get um, a situation where, oh, I don't want to talk about it, you know, as right. far as I'm concerned, that that uh, chapter of my life is closed and, and uh, you know, and, and, it, and, and of course everyone's free to, to, to say what they want about that. But if you approach it in a loving way and say, I'd really like us to be reconciled, I'd really like our relationship to heal, even if it means, um, you know, it, it might affect some third person as well, who knows. Um, but I think love and understanding uh, can can do so much, um, and if you're willing to to really enter into the other person's um, perspective on that situation, and accept accept them as you want your, uh-huh, your perspective uh-huh. to be accepted. You know, it's an equal an equal exchange, really. Um, you want to be understood. The other person wants to be understood. You both want to be accepted. You both want to be loved. You both want to understand. Um, and you want to carry on the rest of your life being reconciled with that person. It is possible. Now, I'm fully aware that you do not want to share your secret with this audience, and I understand that now. But I have to ask you, do you share your secret in your book? Oh, most definitely. Okay, so we yes. need to buy the book <laughs> to know the secret. And yes. so it's written then not only as a self-help book, but certainly as a story. Yes, yes, it's my memoir. It's set in my childhood, so I go through my childhood years, my adult, my adolescence, and the fun I had as an adolescent, as a teenager, and then into my twenties, going away to college, and then the breakdown and my experiences with that, and then my marriage, and then telling my sister and confronting my mother, and and so on, into my later years, and eventually. I visit a special place where I meet up with somebody who can throw even more information into my, <laughs> into my world. So and a little bit of mystery involved there. There is a little bit, yes. I mean, some of the outcomes are quite unexpected. Um, once you start looking for things, mm. things start emerging. It's quite amazing. That mm. is amazing. And you're absolutely right. And I think it starts with suspicions very often, just as you said in the very yes. beginning. Yes. Now, one of the one of the things I I don't recall if you had mentioned or not, but that I was thinking about as you were talking, and that is in the area of forgiveness. Do you talk about that at all in your book? I talk about forgiveness at some length, Carol. Yes, because I feel it's a tremendously important concept to understand uh, the full meaning of forgiveness. You don't have to like what the person has done. You don't have to force yourself to to convince yourself that what they did was right in their eyes or, or anything like that. You can still have your view of the situation as long as you accept that the other person has a view as well, which could be equally, um, uh-huh. equally um, authentic to your own view. 
Um, so forgiveness is, I think, I feel is, because I'm a Christian and my whole sort of understanding of human life and interaction is based on the Christian message, of course, the, the concept of forgiveness is talked about a great deal in Christianity. It's very fundamental to Christianity. And so I researched quite a lot about forgiveness to, to enable me to, to, to write at length in my book. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's the, the good to know. The true meaning of it, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, so, yes, there is a, a lot about forgiveness. Um, there's quite a lot about counselling as well because okay. if somebody wishes to, um, to be counselled over a situation, maybe they're on their own and they need support, um, I talk about the different methods of counselling Excellent. How one, yes, how one may suit one person and another may suit another and the elements of counselling and what counselling is um, as a process again, yes. Well, it sounds like there's a lot in there for, that a lot of different types of people in different situations would be interested in. Now, do you have any other books in the works? I do, Carol, yes. I'm, I'm writing a series of children's books um, in, in collaboration with my daughter, um, and I've got a meeting tomorrow about that, uh, how we can take it forward. Um, I'm also researching for a, a historical novel that I hope to complete, probably in maybe two or three years. It's, it's quite a way down the line because I'm a very busy person. I've got lots of other things going on in my life. Well, isn't but, that uh, fun, though, to, mm, to fulfill your... That's your dream, yes. isn't it, to be an author and, and, and a yes. writer, You've yes. written for many different uh, venues, haven't you? Yes, I've, I'm a member of a writers' uh, group, the Manchester Irish Writers, and we, we do performances of poetry and readings and drama, and I've contributed to those as well. Um, and um, I'm actually currently, I'm helping um, a, 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 a young man write his memoir. He's dyslexic, mm. and he's written 60,000 words, and he's stuck. And he didn't know how to move forward. Hmm. And because I'd done tutoring uh, for students with disabilities, mainly dyslexia, I've offered to proofread the book for him and to help him in, in, with writing the book. Because I understand, I, I empathise with him so so closely, and he wants to get his his um, his his story across, uh-huh. and yet he's he's unable to do it on his own. So I'm going to help him with that. So that's another little task I'm taking on as well, Carol. So it's diversified. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) And you're having a good time doing it. Is there anything else in closing that you would like to mention? Well, I think many of the themes that you introduce into your uh, interviews with the various authors that you you talk to is is this message of hope. I would absolutely endorse that to to the the utmost degree. We, We have to keep on hoping that, that relationships can be healed, uh-huh. and um, you know, once they are healed, they can they can even improve to an extent where you feel the joy of that improvement, and that is wonderful. And it takes effort. That's it takes, right. It sometimes takes courage. It certainly takes commitment, and it takes you have to put your pride aside a little bit too. I think. Uh-huh. And, in order to understand others and not be too entrenched in your own particular um, perspective of the, of the situation, you have to be open and willing 
to to understand others and to accept others as they are. There's, uh, every chapter has a quotation to start it, and and the the, the, the the quotation links into the theme of the chapter as well. Thank you so much, Martha. Get your book and read The Secret. I think that we're all trying to figure out what it is. Yes. <laughs> Some of us maybe have a better idea than others. But yes, <laughs> yes. anyway, no, family secrets are definitely a subject that needs to be addressed. And I think you did an awesome job at sharing not only from your heart, your passion. Like, don't leave it. No, Do something no. about it. No. There might be some chips that'll fall in the end, you know, to rebuild those those relationships and to go about it according to some of the tips that you give in the in the book and even today. And that is very much appreciated. I'd so, just like to add, Carl, yes. if I may, that re- broken relationships um, are very, very sad and they weigh so heavily on people. Yes. They really do. And they can, add, they can, you know, even add to, to depression and uh, lack of self-esteem, which you, you experienced, know, obviously, which, which yes. I most yes. definitely experienced. Um, co- lack of confidence, and I feel, I feel so much more confident and so much more positive now that I've addressed, finally addressed um, this, this this issue in my life. And I know that it's possible for others to do it as well. I know it is. And that is a very positive note to end on. So I thank you, Martha, for joining us today. Thank you very much, Carol. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.